open your word and lean in and listen to the things that you want to say to us. Um, Father, we do pray uh, that in these moments nothing would distract us, uh, whether it's technology that distracts us or whether it's things that happened to us last week or things we're worried about that are going to happen or might happen next week. Uh, Father, I want to pray, would you help us in these moments? Would you still our hearts and our minds and just bring us to quiet attention before your word? Uh, I want to pray you'd help us to receive the things that you want to say to us this morning by your word and by your spirit and be ready to respond in joyful obedience to what you say to us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, it has appeared like magic. See that? Um, thank you, Colin. Um, our phrase, Emily, if you could give me power in my clicker, that'll be the next thing. Um, our phrase that we're going to look at this morning uh, comes from Isaiah chapter 30. Um, and hopefully, Emily, you could you could move it on if the clicker is not working. Um, there we go. Um, this is, uh, for me, um, one of my very favorite verses, phrases in Isaiah. Um, I hope if it's one you haven't discovered, it might become one of yours. Um, in repentance and rest is your salvation. It goes on to say, in quietness and trust is your strength. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Uh, and I wonder even... Uh, when I read that for the first time this morning, um, I wonder what word, even in that phrase, you are most drawn to. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a guess that um, if there's a word that most of our hearts are drawn to this morning, it might be the word rest. Um, because our world right now seems especially restless and noisy and tiring and frazzled and maybe our lives feel kind of that way as well. And so we're drawn to the word rest and maybe the word quietness that comes a little bit later. We're thinking a little bit of rest would be lovely for my body, for my mind, for my soul, a little bit of quiet uh, for my, my mind and heart. Um, and this, this verse, this text that we're looking at this morning, um, I really believe can lead us there, uh, can lead us kind of to green pastures and still waters and a place of uh, rest and quiet. But I want to think with you a little bit. To get to that place, we need to think a little bit about some of the other words that surround the word rest. Um, we're going to start with that word at the end on the screen, uh, the word salvation. Um, in, in this text in Isaiah 30, um, I don't think the word salvation here is primarily about what we would call eternal salvation. That's a big theme in the Bible, the question of um, salvation uh, beyond death, salvation uh, in terms of heaven and hell and those kind of eternal issues. I don't think that's quite what's at stake here in Isaiah 30. I think what's at stake here is it's about where God's people look for help and rescue when they are in trouble, right? When they are threatened, when they are surrounded by enemies, when they are afraid, when they are overwhelmed. Where do we look for rescue, for salvation? 
Uh, and so I want to ask you immediately, um, whenever, I, I want to encourage you to think about this question, when you are in trouble, when you are threatened, when you are surrounded, when you are afraid, when you're overwhelmed, um, and it could be because of the things that are going on in our world, or it could be because of things closer to home in your own life or your family life um, or nearby you. Um, but when you feel um, troubled and threatened, where do you look for rescue? Where does your heart go? Where does your mind go? Where do you look for rescue? Um, and if I want to maybe start with a, a provocative thought, I think some of us are very clear about our eternal salvation. So if I said to you, how do you get saved in the big picture in the, the eternal sense? We would give a very clear answer. I, I'm not trusting in anything else. I'm not trusting in anything I can do or anything anybody else can do. I'm trusting in Jesus alone, on the cross alone, and for, for salvation. And yet, in our daily lives, whenever we feel troubled or threatened, sometimes we look nearly anywhere else before we look to God. That's kind of my provocative beginning for you to think about. Is that sometimes true? That in our daily living, when we're troubled and threatened, we sometimes look nearly anywhere else before we look to God. Um, the people of Judah uh, in Isaiah 30 were facing serious trouble. Uh, it's map time again. Uh, do you remember this long arm of the Assyrian Empire, that big green arm, is reaching down. The empire is expanding. It's gobbling up smaller nations. And Judah, right down at the bottom of the arm, is feeling threatened. Uh, their peace and their safety was under threat. Their independence was under threat. Their, their very existence actually was under threat. And the, the urgent question then was, where would they look for help and for rescue and for salvation in that time of trouble. Uh, and the start of Isaiah chapter 30 tells us where they were looking. And I want to read just a few verses from the beginning of the chapter that maybe help put our, our key verse in context. And this is what it says at the beginning of Isaiah 30. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. What's going on? <laughs> uh, as they feel threatened from the north west uh, by Assyria coming closer and closer. Where do the people of Judah look? They look the other direction to the southeast, southwest, sorry. Assyria is coming from the north. Oh, never mind. You can work it out on the map. Assyria is coming from one side. They look to the other side and they look to the biggest superpower on the other side, which is Egypt. And they ask Pharaoh to protect them. And you can see how, from a human point of view, that makes all kinds of sense when you're Threatened by a powerful enemy, you look around for a powerful ally. And so they look to Egypt and they ask for help. But of course, if you know the bigger biblical story, perhaps your alarm bells are kind of ringing. Um, 
you're thinking Egypt is where God's people came from. Egypt is slavery uh, that they were liberated from. Egypt was not somewhere to go back to. Uh, Egypt was where they had begun. And of course, God had already shown the people of Judah, uh, the people of Israel, that he was greater than uh, all the powers of Egypt. He was greater than Pharaoh and his magicians and his horses and chariots. So that, so when the day of trouble came and they felt surrounded and threatened by Assyria, where should the people of God have looked? Um, the answer, maybe from where you and I are sitting, is very obvious. They, they should have looked to the God who brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and not to Pharaoh and his horses and chariots which God had hurled into the sea uh, whenever they were brought out of Egypt. Um, so that's kind of what was going on with Judah. But again, I want to bring it back uh, to a challenge for, for us here and now. Um, maybe it's easy for us to sit here and say what the people of Judah should have done. And yet, I want to ask again, when we feel threatened and afraid and over, overwhelmed, where do we look for help? Um, Judah looked to the horses and chariots of Egypt uh, to get them out of trouble. And I guess if I can kind of stick with that image, I want to ask, what might the horses and chariots of Egypt be for you? When you feel threatened by what's going on in the world or what's going on in your life, where do you go looking for help? What are the horses and chariots of Egypt for you? Let me suggest a few possibilities. Um, sometimes uh, we look to politicians and governments to fix the mess of the world and if we don't like the current ones we, we hope for a change of regime and that our favourites will get in and then maybe it'll be better um, or if we're disillusioned with governments as maybe many people are um, sometimes we look to cultural movements, change from below grassroots movements which are going to heal what's wrong with the world. And there are movements of the left and movements of the right, progressive movements and conservative movements, and you can choose your hashtag and what movement you want to jump aboard and what cause you want to support. That might be the horses and chariots of Egypt for us. Um, sometimes we look to science and technology and medicine to rescue us. Uh, we think better education and better understanding and better research will lead to breakthrough and will save us from the trouble that we're in? Is that something that can rescue us from whatever ails us, whatever troubles us? Um, sometimes we look to the thinkers of our world uh, to rescue us. There's a new phrase. People talk about thought leaders today, uh, people, clever people. Uh, and we can watch their podcasts or, or, their, or listen to the podcasts and watch the videos and get all the, the intelligent thought of the cleverest people today, whether it's Jordan Peterson or Brene Brown or Russell Brand or Elon Musk or whoever it is. Again, choose your thinker. Can these clever people get us out of trouble? Um, and of course, uh, in our Christian culture, we have our Christian celebrities and thinkers, and maybe they can give us the answer and guide us to safe ground. And again, you can choose, is it John MacArthur or Sarah Bessie or John Piper or Pete Gregg? But we wonder if our Christian thinkers and leaders can get us out of trouble. Um, and of course, maybe you're thinking, 
Um, I don't really look to any of those places. You're thinking, often we look to people much closer to home when we feel troubled and threatened. And so maybe your first instinct is to look to family or to friends or to mentors or to people you trust in church uh, or whatever. Maybe that's where we look when we feel troubled. And maybe especially when I land on that last one, maybe you're thinking, hang on a minute, John Mark, some of those things you've mentioned there are good things, right? Some of those things are not bad at all, especially family, friends, community. Um, those things are good. But I do want to say this, and I think God's word um, gives us this challenge again and again. In the end, if we place our trust in anything other than God, if we look to something other than God for rescue and salvation, even if that thing is good, that thing becomes an idol and it leads us to disaster. And it leaves us restless and anxious and scattered and overwhelmed. There is no rest. There is no quietness to be found when we lean the weight of our souls on any of those other things, the chariots of Egypt. Um, and maybe I want to encourage us to think about this, that this is the heart of repentance. Could you move me on there, Colin? Move on the slide. Um, this is the heart of repentance. Coming back to our key phrase. Um, the heart of repentance is turning away from putting our trust in other things and instead putting our trust in God alone. That's the heart of what is involved in repentance. Uh, many of these other things we've mentioned can play a part in our lives and can be helpful, but not as the first place we look for help and rescue. Only God is able to take the weight of our lives and the weight of our world. And so first, we need to lift our eyes to the Holy One of Israel, to the one on the throne, to the one who's high and lifted up, and say in the words of Isaiah 12, verse 2, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord himself is my strength and my defense. It's actually kind of a catchphrase all the way through Isaiah. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is our salvation. Um, and we rest our anxious minds and our weary souls in him. We rest the weight of our lives and our world in him. And then from that place, we can go and live. And all these other things that we've mentioned can find their proper place. Um, many of them are good things. Many of them will help. But first, our soul needs to rest in God. Uh, God is my salvation. The Lord is my strength and my defense. So that's kind of one challenge I want to bring this morning. One of the places our hearts go is to look for external help. And I wonder what the, the chariots and horses of Egypt are for you. I want to encourage you to, to think about that. Um, but there's another place that Judah also looked for rescue, as well as looking to Egypt. Uh, and I, We need to go back a few chapters uh, to see this one, but I want to read a few verses from Isaiah chapter 22. Um, so Isaiah chapter 22, just a few verses from verse 8. Uh, and see if you can see as we read this, where, where else did Judah look in their panic uh, for help? And it says this, The Lord stripped away the defenses of Judah 
and you looked in that day to the weapons in the palace of the forest. There's probably a reference to the armory of Solomon uh, where the, the weapons of Judah were kept. Um, you saw that the walls of the city of David were broken through in many places. You stored up water in the lower pool. You counted the buildings in Jerusalem. You tore down houses to strengthen the wall. You built a reservoir between the two pools, two walls for the water of the old pool. What's going on there? Um, as well as looking outside themselves for rescue to Egypt, the people of Judah also looked to their own resources. Um, they made a plan. They, looked, they, they, they gathered their weapons. Uh, they leapt into action. They, uh, there's a lot of verbs of action here. They stored water and tore down houses and strengthened walls and built reservoirs. They got really busy um, building their defenses and getting ready for attack. And again, on a human level, that is very understandable. Um, of course, that's what you would do when surrounded by, by enemies, when threatened by enemies. Um, but for me, the, the killer two lines in this passage come at the very end. This is what the last two lines say. But you did not look to the one who made it or have regard for the one who planned it long ago. Right? There's nothing wrong with activity and resourcefulness and working hard and doing your best and using what you have and making a plan. But that's not where we begin as God's people. We begin by looking to the one, to the one who made us and who made all of this uh, and made everything in, our, in creation. And so maybe here's another challenge for you and I. We've thought about where we look for help outside ourselves, but how often when we are threatened and surrounded and afraid and overwhelmed, do we first look to our own resources? Do we get really busy trying to build a wall of defense and look to our own plans and best efforts and kind of throw ourselves into a frenzy of planning and activity without pausing to lift our eyes to the one who made it all? Right? I wonder how often do we do that? Um, I think this this challenge is particularly tricky because when, when you throw yourself into trying to mend what's broken yourself, it looks really good <laughs> to those around you. You will look very impressive. You will look quite spiritual and religious and virtuous. There's someone who's really busy trying to make the world a better place, trying to sort things out. We are crusaders for truth and righteousness. And so, again, I wonder what kind of activity we might throw ourselves into in, our, in feeling threatened. Uh, we might throw ourselves into Bible study and theology and think if we read more, study more, learn more, know more, then we'll fend off danger and maybe we can run around correcting others and looking for error and teaching truth and trying to shore up the walls. That's one kind of activity. Um, or maybe we throw ourselves into studying culture and trying to understand what's going on in our world and making sure we have the right opinions about every issue and also making sure that everybody else has the right opinions about every issue. And again, we're, we're busy and we're trying to shore up the walls. Um, or maybe we think church programs and activities are the answer. So we, we throw ourselves into loads and loads of church busyness and activity. And we become a kind of cheerleader 
trying to get everybody else involved as well. Come on, everybody, let's do more. Um, or maybe we throw ourselves into programs of self-improvement, um, of physical exercise and mental health exercises and spiritual exercises, and we do all the things that we think will be good for us. There's lots of ways in which we might look to our own weapons and our own resources and our own activity. But I wonder, would you agree with me, sometimes after and in the middle of all that activity, we are still anxious and still restless and still agitated because our hope and our confidence is in ourselves, and that's not much of anywhere to place our confidence. We're trying to save ourselves and save the church and maybe even save the world. And I have a big secret to tell you this morning. The job of saving the world is already taken, right? Um, Isaiah tells us again and again, the Lord is our salvation. Isaiah points again and again to the coming king, the coming Messiah, who's going to bring a new kingdom of peace and justice, who's coming to save us all. And so I want to make sure you hear this this morning. It's important for, for each of us. Jesus is the Messiah, and you are not, right? And if you, if you need to, go and look in the mirror later on and say that. <laughs> Jesus is the Messiah. You're not. Jesus is the savior of the world, and you're not. And if I can throw out a sort of um, confession this morning, um, this is a particular temptation for those who are preachers and leaders in Christian circles. We can easily fall into the trap of thinking it's our job to save the church or save the world. Um, Eugene Peterson has a lovely, awful phrase. He says, in, in doing our work, we become messianically pretentious. Um, we think it's up to us to save the world, and that can make us arrogant if we think we can do it, and it can make us really anxious if we think we can't, and usually it makes us a bit of both. Right? So that's a kind of professional confession. <laughs> um, those of us here in leadership and in roles of responsibility can fall into this really easily. But for all of us, whether you're a leader or not, um, you may have noticed that trying to save the world um, is really, really tiring. It's really exhausting. And it can make us really anxious and it can make us really agitated and at times, it can also make us really angry. It can bubble over into anger. There's an impotent rage when we're trying to save the world and we're not able to do it. Um, I, if I can have a moment of sort of just sharing something that's on my heart. I, I feel deeply perturbed at the minute by the anxiety and anger that is bubbling in our world. But I feel even more perturbed by the thought that it can easily infiltrate the church and infiltrate our hearts. And I think when we, it's worth just checking in at the minute with all that's going on in our world to go, what is the energy around my life right now? May even be worth asking the people closest to you what it's like to live with you at the minute. Because there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of anger bubbling. And I think if you trace the anxiety and the anger down to the root, do you know, do you know what we find? Is that we are not trusting in God. We're not trusting, our, our, we're not resting 
in God our salvation. We are trying to save the world ourselves. And it leads to all this kind of trouble. Um, And again, I want to bring us back to our key phrase. If you're feeling in any way like you recognize that, if you're feeling weary and tired, if you're feeling anxious, frazzled, a little agitated, a little angry, uh, what's the way out of this mess? Again, I think this is part of what repentance means. It means turning away from self-reliance and trusting in God alone. We said earlier repentance involves turning from trusting in other things to trusting in God. It also means turning from self-reliance to trusting in God alone. It means Repentance means giving up, trying to save the world and save the church and save the world because that's a heavy load that we're not meant to carry. And resting in God and his Messiah. That's where we rest. Um, um, I think it's only then, and I feel really challenged about this, it's, it's only then that we can be a joyful and non-anxious presence in our agitated world. And I think that's what we're meant to be. We're not meant to be adding to the anxiety and the anger and the disturbance. We're meant to be carrying the peace of Christ to our neighbours. And it's only when we are resting in God that we're able to do that. Um, I was talking to a friend this week, um, and he told me a little story that really stayed with me. And I think it's kind of connected to what we're talking about. Uh, But he was telling me about a time when he was living in another place and going to a church there. Um, He went to an evening event in his church, uh, and he thought that, like most of our kind of church events, it was going to be a meeting full of activity because we, we do tend to pack our church events full of stuff, don't we? We, we, we talk a lot, uh, especially those of us up here, and we, we, we sing a lot and we, we do, we pray a lot and we, we do lots of stuff. Um, and there's nothing wrong with most of those things. But my friend said when he went to this evening, to his surprise, he found an empty room and the person who was leading the service didn't really say anything at all, except at the very beginning he said, tonight we're going to meet with God. We're going to seek God. And everyone had their Bible, and everyone found a space somewhere in the empty room, and they played a little quiet music in the background, and that was it. <laughs> and there was something, as I talked to my friend this week, and as I thought about this text in Isaiah, Something in my heart, I I felt a hunger for that. Um, That maybe we get tired, too much activity, too much talk, too much frenzied, trying to fix it all ourselves. Um, I wonder, does it feel good to you, the idea of just being in an empty room with your brothers and sisters and doing nothing but just meeting with God and resting our souls in the God of our salvation. Um, I want to encourage you, um, if you feel challenged by what we've been talking about today, I don't know where this lands with you this morning. Um, I do want to make sure as we finish that you hear this invitation, right? Because Judah got this wrong again and again. It actually, I didn't read the whole uh, verse because it actually says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust uh, is your strength but you would have none of it. (laughs) Uh, 
In other words, they, they didn't get it, and they kept going back to Egypt, and they kept going back to their own resources. And yet, after they kept repeatedly getting it wrong, what does it say? Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He will rise up to show you compassion. And so I want to make sure you don't go away feeling just feeling bad and burdened this morning. If you, if you recognize in yourself, I've been looking to other things, I've been looking to myself, and it's not working, and I feel agitated and anxious and overwhelmed. Um, God is waiting um, to show you grace this morning, to show you compassion. Um, and so um, we're going we're to have an opportunity to respond to what we've been, been thinking about this morning. Um, and Sarah and the band are going to come back up. Um, and all we're going to do, I'm going to allow just a, a, maybe a minute of quiet or a couple of minutes of quiet. I'll let Sarah decide. Um, and all I'd, I want to encourage you to do, that's your opportunity for confession. Um, if you're feeling challenged in any particular ways that you've been looking to other places or to your own resources, just in the silence, confess that to God. And then the songs that we're going to sing are our opportunity to re-express our hope and our confidence in God and that we want to rest only in God. And we're going to take time just to sing uh, a few songs uh, that allow us to do that. So uh, let's take a couple of moments in quiet um, and then let's sing in response. <clears throat>